1: Takes us to the cross, and there is power in the cross. There's power at the cross. There is no higher ground on earth than the foot of the cross. There's no higher ground. At the cross, there's the power to forgive, the power to restore, the power to heal, the power to transform our lives. We should never ever underestimate what happened there on that cross. We should never take it for granted.
0: In today's message, we'll join Gideon as he meets with God in a powerful way. He witnesses a miracle as he comes to the Lord's table in communion. Pastor Dave tells us that we too need to spend time intimately with God, letting it remind us of the cross. In that time of remembrance, we'll find God's unrivaled power. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Judges chapter 6 with part 2 of his message, A Question of Faith. You are sure.
1: The Lord accepted Gideon's sacrifice. Gideon knew it was from the Lord. But let's take this a little further. Let's look into the mind of Dave. Dangerous place. Where did Gideon find his confirmation? He found it in breaking bread with the Lord. He found it when he broke bread with God. He found it in communion. He found it breaking bread. He came to the Lord's table. What happens when we come to the Lord's table? Why did Paul direct us to go to the Lord's table? What things does he want us to do? What does it say when we read 1 Corinthians 11? Jesus says, do this, why? To remember. Remember me. When you do this, when you eat of this bread, when you drink of this cup, remember me. What is communion pointing us to? The cross. Communion is pointing us to the cross. Communion is pointing to us on how faithful God has been in our lives. Communion is pointing us to God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son to die for us on a cross. That whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is ever faithful to his promises. And that's what communion does. It reminds us of the promises of God. Communion here, as we commune with the Lord, we reflect upon our hearts. Our hearts are reignited. They should be as we're sitting before the Lord. That's why I always try to lead you through and have you sit before the Lord. So that your heart will be reignited. So that your heart will be inflamed by God. We reflect and we become restored. God restores us during communion. Our hearts are repaired. Our lives are repaired during communion. We're reminded of just what he went through and experienced to save us. Communion takes us to the cross and there is power in the cross. There's power at the cross. There is no higher ground on earth than the foot of the cross. There's no higher ground. At the cross, there's the power to forgive the power to restore, the power to heal, the power to transform our lives. And we should never, ever underestimate what happened there on that cross. We should never take it for granted. Going through a struggle today? You're questioning what the Lord might have you do? So oftentimes we can find the answers at the table of the Lord. So oftentimes we can find answers with communion with God, where we Sit with God and commune with Him. And find the answer at the table of the Lord as we reflect upon the cross and its significance. Because when we looked at the cross, we see Jesus. Gideon wanted to make sure that it was God who was speaking to him. And the Lord graciously accommodated his request. This was some request. This was some request. Now, after being convinced that it was the Lord to whom Gideon was speaking... Instead of having all this faith, instead of having all this, let's go, Lord, what do you want me to do? He becomes afraid and wearisome. He begins to worry and have anxiety. This is an example of the deceitful heart. Our heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Gideon asked for a sign, and he gets one. But then he's afraid. Now I'm going to die. I saw the Lord. I'm going to die. So much so that the Lord has to come back and go, Gideon. Gideon, chill, bro. Relax. You're not going to die. I'm with you. See, joy and peace follows true faith. If you have true faith, you will have joy and you will have peace. But if you're in turmoil and you're in unbelief, I can guarantee you have fear and worry. You have fear and worry when you're in unbelief. But when you are in true faith, you have joy inexpressible, Peter calls it. There should be such a joy flowing from your heart. People don't even be around you. Get away. You glow too much. The shining light of the Lord should be about you. and You should just shine. God gave Gideon a message of peace to help prepare him for the battle that was to come. We cannot face the enemy without this confidence. We need this confidence to face the enemy. Unless we're at peace with God, we're not going to have this confidence. Gideon is comforted by the Lord's words and so comforted that he names the place Jehovah Shalom or Yahweh Shalom. The Lord is the peace. Jehovah Shalom. I like that. Gideon realized that in and of himself, he can't do a darn thing. He can't do anything. When we are asked to accomplish a task that we think is beyond us, we must trust in a God who loves us and a God who knows what he's doing. Let me give you some examples of what God said to people that he has called. He called Abraham and in Genesis 18, 14 said, Is anything too hard for God? In the Gospel of Luke, we're told that nothing is impossible for God. Job discovered that nothing was too hard for God in Job 42:2. Jeremiah admitted also that there was nothing too hard for God in 32:17. And the apostle Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4:3. Gideon was told Gideon believed then he became fearful with the confirmation, and the Lord had to come back to him. This is how gracious the Lord is. The Lord could have just said, yo, Gid, I'm going after somebody else, man. I, you know I Go back to the wine press, thresh some more wheat. And I'm going to go find somebody else. But no, the Lord sees the finished product. He knows what he can get from Gideon. He knows, even with Gideon's small, tiny faith. And it's going to get smaller here in a couple more verses. In verses 25 through 31, Gideon is put to a test. Gideon is put to a test by the Lord, and I think he does it for several reasons. One of them we're going to talk about a little bit. But the second reason is that he wants them to stand out to the nation. He wants them to be looked at as, ooh, by the nation. So he gives them this little test. I call it, it's time for Gideon's consecration. Gideon has been called. It's been confirmed. And now the Lord is going to consecrate him, prepare him for this work, anoint him, get him ready for the work that he had to do. There was a problem in Gideon's family. There was a problem in Gideon's family. They were idol worshipers. And this issue had to be dealt with before Gideon could move on. This issue of idol worship had to be dealt with before Gideon could move on because the Lord could make him deliverer. In other words, the Lord was telling Gideon, I have chose you to do something mighty against the Midianites, but you're going to have to do something about your family first. Let's read 25 through 31. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull. The second bull of seven years old and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build up an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice in the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took 10 men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said, but Because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was an altar of Baal torn down and the wooden image that was beside it cut down. And the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said to one another, who has done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son, that he may die, because he has torn down the altar of Baal, and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him plead himself, because the altar has been torn down. Wow. Gideon had to get his own house in order first. Reminds me a little bit of Moses when Moses was sent to free the Israelites from Egypt. Remember along the way, the Lord argued with Moses because he hadn't circumcised his one son. And Moses had to circumcise his one son and get that done before he could be the deliverer. It's kind of the same things happen here. Get your house in order. Get your house in order In order to do the things I have to do. Plus, I'm going to raise you up before all to see. Ministry begins in our home with our immediate families, with our wives, with our husbands, with our children. Gideon is becoming a mighty man of valor. He is standing up to his father and to the society about the worship of Baal. But still has a problem with his faith. When does he do it? At night. He does it at night. But it doesn't go undetected because they get up the next morning and they see all this burning things and they know what's happening. But I love the fact when Joash stands up for his son, not only is Joash standing up for his son, he's standing up for God. Something stirred in his heart. Something stirred up in his heart. When he stands up, he's reminded of the truth. He was once a worshiper of God but had fallen away. And when he sees his son... When he sees his son doing this, he becomes excited and gets renewed in his heart. And he stands up. He says, wait a minute here. What's wrong with you guys? Would you plead for Baal? You're pleading for a statue? You're not pleading for the living God? What's wrong with you? I love that. I love that. This very little thing that he saw drew him back to God. What do I glean from this? You don't know what it's going to take to draw somebody back to the Lord. You don't know what it's going to take to draw somebody back to the Lord. Somebody may have drifted. Somebody may have gone far away. And you're doing things and they're watching you. You don't know what they're going to see. You don't know what they're going to see that's going to stir their heart and bring them back to the Lord. This one act, I think the Lord knew all along that this would happen. I think the Lord knew all along that Joash would come back to him, Joash the father, and he would stand up for his son. We don't know. It is God's work through his spirits to draw men and women to himself. And that's what happened here. Because of this, Gideon gets a new name, Jerubbabel. Jerubabel. Interesting name. Therefore, on that day, he called him Jerubbabel, saying, let Baal plead against him, because he has torn down his altar. Jerubbabel basically means Baal's antagonist. New name for Gideon. But for me, the kicker of this chapter happens in verse 34. In verse 34, we see the kicker of the chapter. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. He blew the trumpet and the little Yeah, those guys gathered behind him. I get tongue-tied. Spirit of the Lord. Now, you know, back in the Old Testament, the Spirit of the Lord came upon people to do power, to do things that God had called them to do. The Spirit of the Lord came upon them. But now, at Pentecost, the Spirit of the Lord came. And he came upon those that were gathered seeking him. And you read through the book of Acts. Every time you turn around, the Spirit of the Lord is falling upon groups of people as they profess Jesus Christ, as they look for that baptism, as they look for that time. Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait until you're baptized by the Holy Spirit. John himself says, "I baptize you with water, but one will come one day and will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Folks you've probably heard it many times from this podium. I hope you'll hear it time and time and time until you get it in your heads. Without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there is no power, there is no power to do ministry." There is no power to be a witness. There is no power to stay awake in a Bible study. There is no power to do the things that God has called you to do and wants you to do. We need this experience. We need this baptism in our lives. Go back and read the book of Acts, specifically Acts 1, but go through it and see all the times that the Holy Spirit came upon the people there and empowered them. It's extremely, extremely important. It's the new covenant. Peter said, in these last days, the Spirit will be poured out on all flesh. He quoted Joel 2.28. This was the partial fulfillment of this prophecy. The Holy Spirit was being poured out. The Holy Spirit is ready today and waiting for you to ask. Ask to be empowered to do the ministry. Ask to be empowered to live as a Christian the life that we're supposed to live. In verse 35, because of this divine empowering, Gideon was able to gather an impressive number of troops in such a short notice. We're going to read in a couple weeks that he gathers 32,000 men. 32,000 men follow him to battle. They follow him to battle. But as we finish up, Gideon seems to have another lapse of faith. Gideon seems to have another lapse of faith. Let's finish these last five verses, beginning in verse 36. So Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you said, Look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only and is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so when he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together he wrung the dew out of the fleece in a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said, Do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground let it be wet or dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece but only, but there was dew on all the ground. Gideon asks for another miracle, Ask for another miracle. This is the third time that Gideon asks to confirm it. Lord, if you want me to do something, write it in the sky. And he writes it in the sky, in the clouds. I look up and go, now make it red. Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. We understand and are encouraged by his request for the first sign that the Lord fulfilled. But I think the purpose of this being shown us here is to show us just how God uses such little faith. God uses the amount of faith that you give to him. God uses whatever faith you have to do mighty things. And yet God played along with Gideon. He answered Gideon. He showed him these things. It was essentially a trick. It had nothing to do with fighting the Midianites. Gideon probably didn't even understand what he was doing trying to get to terms with God. We have to be careful when we ask God to do these things. We to be careful when we ask God to do these things. Let me give you an example. In Luke 1.18. In Luke 1.18, a gentleman by the name of Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, Questioned the Lord on what he was doing. How did the Lord answer him? Made him mute until the child was born. Be very careful when you ask for signs. Be extremely careful when you ask for signs from the Lord. Gideon doesn't even keep his word. Just one more, Lord, just one more. Just one more, just one more. Let's not be too hard on Gideon, okay? Let's not take Gideon to the task floor because I don't know about you, but I'm just like him, okay? I don't know about you. You guys have much more faith than I have. I'm just like Gideon. I'm just like Gideon. Many of you probably say, oh, that Gideon, he's got weak faith. Well, guess what, guys? So does your pastor. At times, I have very weak faith. I'm just like Gideon. But you know what? As gracious as the Lord dealt with Gideon, so my Lord deals graciously with me. And he'll take the little measure of faith that I can muster up and he'll use it to make things explode and do wondrous things. He'll do the same thing for you. He does the same thing for us. And when you're arguing about Gideon and when you're saying Gideon was a man of no faith and he didn't do this and he didn't do that and that Gideon, he should have blah, blah, blah. Always remember that the holy spirit says something about gideon the holy says something about gideon in hebrews hall of faith chapter 11 verse 32 when he says written by whomever wrote hebrews i believe it to be the apostle paul writes this by the holy spirit and what more shall i say for the time would fail me to tell you of gideon so the lord has his name used in what we call the hall of faith. So God will take the faith you have and he'll run with it if you submit to him and let him do it. Submit to God. Allow the spirit to come upon you and empower you for the work that God has called you to do. Submit to God. See what happens. I challenge you. I challenge you. Submit to the Spirit of God. Pray that the Holy Spirit would empower you for the work of the ministry. And then let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. We'll give our own test. See what God wants to do with a church who has the baptism of the Holy Spirit, who has the Holy Spirit flowing from them left and right and all over places, who is empowered. Put away Those thoughts of negativity. Put away the thoughts of these things don't happen anymore. Put away of the fact that all the gifts aren't for today. Put all that away and test the Lord. Test the Lord to see what he can do. I challenge you to do that. I challenge you to do that in your prayer closet. I challenge you to do that tonight. Test the Lord to see what he wants to do. I can't wait to see the results cannot wait to see the disciples. surely I don't mean to call you Shirley, but surely you have the faith of Gideon surely you have the faith of Gideon you are sure
0: as our time is coming to a close for the day you don't have to stop studying God's word feel free to read ahead in the book of Judges and find more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. Find links at our website. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to pray for you as you journey through this life with Jesus. So please let us know how we can do that. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. We're so blessed to be able to share God's Word with you with each new edition of Assure Hope. But we want to encourage you to find a local church to attend regularly as well. Being a part of a body of Christ gives you a place to learn and grow with other imperfect people while providing an outlet for your unique God-given gifts. If you're in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come by Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Beginning April 12th, we are moving to two services on Sundays, one at 8.30 a.m. and another at 10.30 a.m. Come join us for worship and Bible study, and we do have child care available. For more information and to get directions, visit assurehoperadio.com. That's assurehoperadio.com. And that brings us to the end of our program for today. Thanks for tuning in to this verse-by-verse study in Judges. And join us again right here on Assure Hope.